It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. You're going to love my guest today. She is a pioneer in television and in finance, and a big welcome to Maria Bartiromo. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. So, have you done this before? No, I've not. First, I don't know what to uh, expect. Are you nervous? Hammer time. Love it. <laughs> Hammer time. 22 <laughs> questions coming up. So, Ooh. people are going to learn things about you they never knew before. Oh, right? God. Okay. Like dogs, I'm scared. Dogs, cats, pepperoni, cheese, things like that. <laughs> um, you are the anchor of Mornings with Maria yes. on FBN, Fox Business. You host Sunday Morning Futures, which is the most watched Sunday morning program on cable. You got that uh, right. 10 a.m. Fox News Channel. Fox News Channel, right on. And you pick up a new title every week, I'm learning. <laughs> oh, gosh. Close. I did pick up a new title recently. You're right. Anchor of Wall Street Week, which is our weekend program on Fox Business Network. That's fantastic. Yeah, three shows. You. Yeah, I'm working you know, hard. I was wondering, you know, I, I'm, in your job, you deal with such... Look, I took Econ 101, but that's as far as my knowledge runs. So what do you read? What do I read? Um, I read a lot of analyst reports. I read, obviously, the Wall Street Journal every day. I read the Financial Times. Those are probably my two favorites in Mm -hmm. terms of newspapers. I read a lot of wires and a lot of analyst reports. I find that if I go to, for example, the the chief economist at J.P. Morgan, I'm going to find a tidbit in there that is going to give me some intelligence that I may not get somewhere else. So I love scouring through analyst reports. For example, there was one um, from the chief economist at J.P. Morgan over the last year who said that a 15% corporate tax rate equates to a gain in profits of 15%. So that's why the stock market rallies as Mm. much as it is on the idea of tax cuts. When did you see that? Well, I saw that a long time ago. So six months ago. uh, Yeah, more than that. Yeah, but but eight months ago. So you're reading an analyst report. Right. Um, Is that... Exciting? I'm a geek. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not that it's exciting, but I find that the analysts do such scrubbing in terms of, you know, data and information that oftentimes you can get uh, what can be boring and, you know, hard to understand topics about the economy boil down to Mm. very clear cut stuff from the analyst report. I think that through the course of our conversation, that is going to be one thing that listeners take away from this. So is there a topic or an issue that is the most challenging to explain? Sure. I mean, I think economic issues are challenging to explain. You know, talking about $20 trillion in debt and, you know, a tax reform package or the health care reform package. I mean, all of these things require time to actually analyze it and, and, and best understand it. These things are not easy. These are mm-hmm. complicated issues. So, yeah, these this stuff takes time. How'd you learn? But it? it's not brain surgery, Bill. That's all oh. I could say. <laughs> I mean, I, I went to NYU, studied economics, but I didn't learn really about how Wall Street works until I was on the job covering it. Spent 20 years on CNBC, five years on CNN. I've been here at Fox for three years, and I'm constantly learning. But I think, you know, understanding Wall Street, the way markets move, the way the economy performs is something that you 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 learn over experience and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, understanding. But all I could say is this. I don't come from a big business background. I 
and it's not brain surgery. It's actually a lot easier and simpler to understand than you think. For some reason, when economic topics come up, we all roll our eyes and say, I don't know, it's just not my thing. But the truth is, it, it could be, because it's not that mm-hmm. tough. Well, you make it interesting. It's dollars and cents. I, I think in a lot of ways, what you're saying is the knowledge is cumulative. Yes, it is. That's right. Good way I, to I feel it. the same way in, in the job that I have. But how do you know when you're young and up and coming that you want to be a television financial reporter? How does that happen? Well, you know, when I started, this industry was really in its infancy. When I was at CNN Business News, I was a production assistant and an assignment editor just at the time when the market was beginning this really long bull run. So I came into the industry when investors came to decide that they could arm themselves with the right information to actually make investment decisions on their own. And that spawned a whole industry of discount brokers like Schwab and TD Ameritrade and E-Trade and all these firms that were charging rock bottom prices versus the Merrill Lynch's of the world. And they were doing really well because customers felt that if they had the right knowledge, they could make their own decisions Mm -hmm. and not have to pay these incredible fees to Wall Street banks. And so, look, I learned along the way. I do believe that we all really should take responsibility for our own financial lives and understand what money's coming in and what money needs to go out. This is the most basic thing. And also have a couple of buckets. I like to call them three buckets of savings so that you have money in case life throws you that curveball that nobody wants. And so I always tell my family, my friends, make sure you understand how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. So yeah, I learned it over the years. I love it um, because it's what I know and what I do best at. What's in the three buckets? Uh, The three buckets are as as follows. Number one bucket is the savings. That is the money you want for your daughter's wedding, the money you want for your son's college. That is your savings. Number two bucket is your mad money bucket. Extra money for you if you feel like getting yourself a treat sometime. The third bucket... Yeah, correct. Uh, Or that pair of shoes that I really wanted. Uh Or the... And the third bucket is your retirement savings. That money is not to be touched. This is money just that goes into your savings, and it is for retirement. Those are the Mm. three buckets, I believe, that are incredibly necessary. Um, So so you help people along the way. Yeah. Um, And so you you worked at CNN. You've worked at CNBC, now Fox Business, three years, as you stated. That's right. What's the biggest difference, you think, between CNBC and Fox Business? Well, one of the reasons that I left CNBC after 20 years is because the the playbook didn't change in terms of short-term trading. One problem that I have with watching CNBC is that it's all about what is the stock market going to do tomorrow? What is mm. Apple stock going to do tomorrow? So green nobody and a, green cares. Or red, green or red arrows. But nobody cares. It doesn't impact your life in any way. And we are not in the 90s anymore. People are not sitting on their seats ready to trade and ready to have a knee-jerk reaction and, and buy stocks today and think they're going to get rich tomorrow. No. Fox Business Network is very different. We are looking at a long-term strategy. We are hoping to communicate ideas for people to save and invest wisely over the long term. We're not covering minute-by-minute moves in a stock because no one cares. And we're not broadcasting to a trading desk. We're broadcasting to people who are looking long-term, who are trying to understand the policy coming out of Washington and how it impacts their lives. On that point, how do you explain all of this? to amateurs like me. 
Very simple. I mean, it's, it, 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 this is not above your head. It's not above anybody's head. I mean, we're talking about long term. We're talking about a wise and, and safe uh, investment and, and um, savings program. And we're also talking about things like tax policy. How will the tax policy coming out of the Trump administration impact mm-hmm. you and your pocketbook? How will health care impact you? I mean, that's the thing that's different about the Fox so Business it's, Network. It's issues, then. It's issues. It's actually what you're reading and seeing on, on, on the news and how it impacts you. That's what we're trying to do. I don't care what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. Yeah. You wrote a book on the financial collapse of 2008. Yes. I, I have often thought, you know, why were people not led away in handcuffs? But a lot of because a lot of people have made that claim and made that suggestion. And what I found is in the late 1990s, the laws were changed. And it made it easier, perhaps less regulation or different laws for investment companies to make trades. Well, they're, they're And so, therefore, what they did in the end was not illegal. Was it or not? Well, look, you cannot um, put somebody in jail for stupidity. And there was a lot of stupidity going on. And so there was a real effort in the 90s to encourage home ownership. I remember Barney Frank on the Hill saying, everybody needs to have a home. This is what we should be doing. Bill Clinton talked about Bill the American Clinton, dream that way, too. Correct. And so there was this effort to encourage firms to make lending easier, to make it more affordable. And And so, basically, they went wild and, in many cases, in some cases, walked very close to the line. Now, if there were criminality, people would have gone to jail. And, you know, there were fines and there were, you know, people who lost everything. But you can't prosecute for stupidity. Mm. Donald Trump likes to talk about growing up in Queens um, and looking at the skyline of Manhattan saying, I want that challenge someday. You grew up in Brooklyn. Absolutely. Did you have the same perspective? Growing up in Brooklyn was so fantastic. Um, I was a little sheltered because my family, you know, was always sort of right there on me, you know, making sure that I didn't do, what do anything. You mean? Well, in other words, like I wasn't allowed to take car service. I wasn't allowed to do a lot of stuff that my friends were allowed to do. Having said that, we were 30 minutes from New York City. So when I did become of the age that I could go out, it was real easy to go from Brooklyn to New York City, have fun, and then still have my, you know, very close-knit family mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. It was a great upbringing. My father owned a restaurant. Restaurant, the Rex Manor. I was the coat check girl at the Rex Manor. And and I wouldn't trade in my story for anything in the world. I have a very close knit family. My parents, I love them dearly. They are still here and still we're so close. And my sister and brother as well. Um, Very hardworking neighborhood, very hardworking family. Um, I love it. It's it's, it's why I am who I am. You you are lucky to have your family so close. I know. Because my family's in Ohio and I, you, you know, you think about them and you miss them all the time. I'm sorry, so, uh, It's okay. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll yeah. figure out you know, when to get home. And I not. speak to my parents but, every day. But so you, As do I. Yeah. Um, but you just reflected on the personal relationship you had with Manhattan. Did you have a professional objective 
when you were younger, sure. looking at that skyline as Donald Trump described? Yes, I think I did. I used to look at the big lights of New York City and think, wow, you know, I one day I'd like to do something, you know, big there. I didn't have a dream of being on TV as a journalist. I had a ton of other dreams. I wanted to be a backup singer. I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be an architect. It wasn't until I took journalism at NYU that I thought, wow, I think I found wow. what I want. I understand Vincent Bartiroma has Brooklyn's best pizza. Yes. <laughs> Where well, is we that? Saw, we sold the restaurant now. It was the Rex Manor. And we had the best pizza in Brooklyn. We had the best calzone in Brooklyn as well. My dad, I have pictures of him sweating with a bandana around his head, taking out his 13th cheesecake that he had made that day. Wow. We had a great restaurant and it was a brick oven. Um, and so it was really delicious. Yeah. I, I, when I think about Brooklyn, I think about brownstones and I think about all in the family. Uh, am I am I in the no, am I in the no, right no, lane had, or not? We had we had we didn't have a brown, so we had a house, um, and um, it was beautiful. I had a very nice backyard. Mm-hmm. I would play on you know on my block. Um, my nickname as a kid was Bullet because I was a really fast runner. Nice, still. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a fast runner. Um, you made a career by reporting on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. You're right. Do you see a day that's imminent where that is? No longer. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, look, much of the trading uh, volume comes through the machines now. Uh, you just don't have the kind of uh, business being done on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Having said that, the head of the New York Stock Exchange has said he wants to keep it open. He wants to keep the auction type uh, trading. But there's really beyond having this beautiful floor and, you know, having something to show that will be the face of trading. There's really not a lot of reasons to have yeah. anything happen on the floor. Is, it's is, is happening it a, electronic. Is it a prop? Yeah, it's a prop. Mm. Yeah. Are you okay with computerized trading? Or is is the art being lost? No, I think it's fine. I mean, look, it's very simple. When you've got a million shares to buy and a million shares to, to sell, that trade will happen instantaneously because mm. you've got the buyer and you've got the seller. And that doesn't have to happen on the floor of an exchange. That happens on the computer. Last question, then I'm going to go to 22 okay. questions. Do you always understand Fed speak? No, no. They do that on purpose. They try to speak Chinese so that nobody understands what they're doing. That's the strategy. Um, they say they want to be more transparent, but really they don't want you to know everything that they're doing. A little, so ups, Fed little speak, obscure. Yeah, it's obscure for all of us. All right, here we go. Cue the music, guys. Oh, We're going to do 22 questions with Maria Bartiromo. Here we go. We're going to learn things about her we never knew Uh-oh. before. All right, here we go. Favorite Fed chair of all time? Alan Greenspan. Really? Yeah. Okay, pretty direct. Favorite thing to do on the weekend? Walk the beach. What is your guilty pleasure? Ice cream. What's the coolest thing in your house? My accordion. What's the coolest thing in your office? Oh, a picture of us doing the debate from the 2016 presidential election. Oh, who else is in that picture? <laughs> Me and Neil Cavuto. I love it. Good stuff. Good choice, too, yeah. by the way. What's your favorite board game? Monopoly. Uh, bottled water or tap water? Oh, depends on where I am. In New York, I'll take tap. Uh, in other places, I might take bottle. All right, fair. Uh, what's the first website you visit in the morning? Um, oh, shoot. Yahoo Finance. Do you have a favorite app? I like the ADT app. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can pull up pictures of my house right now on my ADT. Okay, I, I love it. I did not expect that. All right? Fabulous. I'm going to download yeah, it. Yeah, better. Uh, Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. If you left New York, where would you live? The beach. Mm, any beach? Beach close to New York. <laughs> <laughs> You're cheating. <laughs> Favorite holiday? 
Christmas. Uh, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Dunkin'. What time did you get up this morning? 3.45. How many emails do you get a day? Uh, Got to be at least 500. I. If you, if you were to binge watch a series, name that series. House of Cards. Mm. Favorite restaurant in New York City? Such a hard one. I would have to go with Primola on the Upper East Side. Best slice of pizza in New York City? John's. Best Italian restaurant? Or is it Prioli? Primola. Primola oh, is the Italian one, yep. Um, but I also like Mr. Chow, Chinese. I thought you were going to put a plug in for your family again. <laughs> no, we sold it. But, yeah, I know. I can't, but still, I can't you guarantee can, it's you that now. Sell, My dad's not no, running it. Can't point. guarantee it. Best book you've ever read? I think the best book... Well, I'm reading a fantastic book right now called Make Your Bed uh, by uh, Admiral uh, McRaven, uh, which is fantastic. Let me see. Um, best book I've ever read, I guess, would be something around Churchill um, and World War II. Good stuff. Do you prefer lyrics or music? Music. Sushi or steak? Steak. And since you wanted to be a, a singer when you were younger, last question. <laughs> Who is the greatest rock and roll band of all time? The Ramones. Bingo. <laughs> Maria Bartiromo, there she is. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thanks, Bill. Great to be with you. You too. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.